Good morning, Kylie. Wednesday, this Wednesday, we're feeding the homeless. We. I'm not going. If you have any coats or blankets or gloves or socks that you want to get rid of, this would be the week to get rid of them. Wednesday night, it drops down to 20 below zero. So it's going to be cold for them. So if we have any anything like that, we should gather it up and take it out to them. We've been taking stuff out to them every week. Um, there's a ski resort in Aspen that had a whole bunch of like heavy duty ski gloves last week that donated them tons of them so almost everybody we saw I shouldn't say everybody but a lot of people we saw got heavy duty ski gloves we've had coats we've had socks we've had all kinds of things that people have donated so it's been good um, in that way but if you have clothes or something or if we have socks or gloves or whatever we have we should go through our closets and this would be the week to hand them out. Because it's going to be extremely cold for those guys. Uh, the next women's study, after the first of the year, finish up the 12 extraordinary women. And then the next men's study will be after the first of the year. I think both the men and women are going to go through the book Radical Prayer by Manny Mill. I think maybe this week I might send out a text to the guys and see who all is interested. You might want to send out a text to the girls and see who all is interested and we can get books ordered. And then sometime in January, we'll get started. Whenever you finish with your study, then we can start in this one. So. And then youth night, we'll start that again after the first of the year. And then sign up for emails. We send out an email one week just so you know what's going on. We haven't had a whole lot going on with the holidays, but come January, we will have more stuff going on. Or check it out online, thechurchne.org. So, two ways to stay connected. Anything else we forgot about? Go oh, Christmas Eve service. We'll do Christmas Eve service here at 4. And then... And then we're not going to do any service on Christmas Day. That's so smart. So. Is Jerry coming over for Christmas? I don't know. Christmas Eve. I'm here for Christmas. We did the same thing last year. Okay. Well, let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. And thank you for this time to come together to learn more about you, who you are your will, your ways, your character, how you lead and guide us, um, how you love us, how the, the things that you ask us to do or the, the things you tell us not to do really are for our own good because that's what's best for us. Um, both physically, mentally, spiritually speaking, you always lead us and guide us into what is good. And I ask you to lead us and guide us this morning that your words would be spoken here today in this study, that you would Speak to each one of our hearts individually. You know where we're at, what we're going through. I ask you would just watch over our community, watch over this state and this nation, that you would bring many to come to know you here in these, these last days. It's in Jesus' name that I pray all these things. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue to take a break from our Roman study. And...
the last time we met, we talked about um, tragedy, what happens during tragedies, and how can Christians <clears throat> be part of a tragedy? How can that happen? Um, how can, can you get that far away from God? And we learned about David, King David, who was known as a mighty man of God, a man after God's own heart, but went on to commit some awful things. And we're going to continue on in that talk, which is probably going to carry us through. It'll touch into also our Christmas Eve service, which is pretty amazing how it works, and then continue on into the, the new year. We'll continue on with this topic. Um, but today, we're going to talk about worry. If we want to know, number one, we've talked through the any one of us, there's no limit to the amount of sin any one of us is capable of, far enough apart from God. And how do we get far apart from God? It starts one step at a time. And it's little by little, um, but can also end up in some, some big slides away. And the way that works is that we choose to disobey God. We choose to sin in some way. And any sin, all sin separates us from God. And God kind of makes that clear, and we'll set it up with, with this verse. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. And these are Jesus' words. Jesus is teaching his disciples and us that anyone who isn't with Jesus is really against Jesus. And anyone who isn't working with Jesus is actually working against him. And what he's really saying is there's no neutral ground. And we've been over this. There's no, I'm a good person. I'm okay with God. No, no, no. You're either walking with God. You're doing the things God's asked you to do. Or you're walking away from him. There's no, I, I strayed sideways. I'm in its neutral middle ground. I'm still a good person, but not a very good Christian or whatever that looks like. No. We're either walking with God or we're walking away from him. And can we do that as a Christian? Can we walk away from God? Absolutely we can. Can we lose our salvation? No. Can we walk away from God and not be effective, not be a light and a witness to him? And the answer to that is yes. So the next place that we'll go, we'll spend a little bit of time here, is in Ephesians chapter 6, starting here in verse 10. And we've been over this area before, too. Um, and this is, Paul sets this up um, to explain what the battle is. And the, the battle is not against other people, even though oftentimes it seems that way. Not other groups of people, but it's a spiritual battle. And so with, with what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 12 and what Paul is going to explain through the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul here to us. And it's going to kind of set up what, what is the battle and what are we to do? How do we walk with God? And what happens when we do make a mistake, when we do fall into sin, when we start walking the opposite way of God? This is a very linear path, which works great for me because I'm a very linear thinker. Things are black and white, not gray, no uh, variations. So this really speaks to me that I'm either walking with God or I'm walking away from him, that there's no in-between. Um, and 
I guess for some that maybe that concept is is harder to understand than others. Maybe that concept doesn't make as much sense. Well, there's got to be some neutral territory with God. There's got to be, you know, I'm doing good. I'm a good person. You know, I haven't, I haven't done these things right. I haven't, cur- I haven't murdered anyone, right? And then we can go down that road of there's always someone worse than me, and I can always point towards them. But that's not what God is speaking of, and never is speaking of that. We're not to judge others that I'm better than this person because I have less sin in my life or, or whatever that judgment is. Uh, are we to judge what's right and wrong? Yes. But are we to judge and evaluate ourselves as compared to others? No. So this black and white way of thinking this, I'm walking with God or I'm walking away from him. And if I get far enough away from him, there's no end, no limit to the amount of sin I am capable of. So, we'll continue, well, we'll get into Ephesians here, chapter 6, verse 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So, Paul has told us a final parting word here. He says, and usually you you leave the, the most important for last, right? So this is Paul's final word, which isn't really his final word. He says this, but then continues on. <laughs> But it's, he's emphasizing the importance. If, if you didn't pay attention to anything else I said, pay attention to this, is what he's saying. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So our strength comes from God. Our power comes from God. Everything we have comes from God. Any good in our lives comes from God. And Paul's encouraging us to put on all of God's armors. And why? So that we can stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Because he explains to us, the fight is not against flesh and blood enemies. The fight is not against our neighbor, not against our sister or our brother, not against um, any group of people in this world. The, the battle is not against people, and so often people want to go there. People want to make it about them and someone else and want to, to get involved in, in this conflict or this drama or this whatever it is. And all that is is divisive and it separates people. Think of all the ways that the, the enemy has separated this nation. We couldn't be any more divided than we are. Politically, um, spiritually, you, you talk to, to many people and many people will tell you that their church is the only right church or that you know they've got it figured out while these other churches are still struggling. Not true. We've been able to see that more and more. We get together, a small group of us on Fridays, um, pastors in Elizabeth and we pray and from all different churches and while we have all different churches and all different views on minor things in the Bible minor theologies uh, really we have come together as the church the overarching whole church that Jesus is the head of and we are just a part of and we've been able to talk about many different things many different aspects why do different churches exist um, and the other, a couple of weeks ago, one of the pastors brought up 
that there's many different churches and one of the churches that he was getting an example of is the church that's very strict. If you want to do anything, you want to, to, to buy a vehicle or, or do something, you have to go to the pastor and get his approval and, and you can go to the, the Bible and say, well, that, that's not biblical. They shouldn't have to do that. But he went on to explain how very valuable that was for his sister-in-law who was a drug addict and struggled deeply with that and needed that kind of guidance in her life to, to help her live a life apart from that sin, apart from those drugs, and very much needed that. So while it sounds crazy to us, and you can go through the Bible and say, well, that's not biblical, you shouldn't be doing that. God obviously set up that church for that reason, for that person, and just for that one or many others. So we're not to judge other churches. The battle's not against other churches. It's not against other political parties. It's not against anything else other than the battle is spiritual. The battle is not against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So the battle is a spiritual battle. So we keep that in mind as we go through this study, that the battle is black and white. We're either walking with God or we're walking away from God. We're either with him or we're his enemy. We're walking with him or we're walking with the, the enemy. That's a, for me, that's a, a concept I can, I can get in line with. I'm a very black and white person. But if you're not black and white, um, that may be a concept you struggle with. But I would like you to, to just entertain the idea and, and for this study, go through it as very black and white. That we're either walking with God, every decision we make, every thought, every word that comes out of our mouth is either with God or it's against God. So we'll continue on here in Ephesians chapter six thirteen. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able... Hold on, we're good. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body of armor, the body of armor, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. So Paul's advising us to put on God's armor, and we've been over this. We won't go over it extensively, just quickly, but we're to put on every piece of God's armor, not to leave any pieces out. This is all. It's, we should have all of this on. If we're missing a piece, then we're not fully walking with God. We're not fully trusting and believing in what he's telling us to do. And the reason is so that after the battle, after the enemy has, has come against us and attacked us, in our thought life mostly is where we get these attacks um, from something that somebody else says to us or, or different situations or scenarios that take place in our life. The enemy can use those to, to distract us, to pull us away from God. So after that battle... If we have on all of God's armor, we should still be standing firm. And we're to stand our ground. We're not really told to be advancing here. I think God does the advancing, and we're just to stand with what he's doing, right? And I see this in, in the book of Daniel, where the king at the time has set up a decree where no one can pray to anyone except to the king. Well, that's not 
what we're told to do. We're told to pray only to God. So what does Daniel do? Daniel doesn't do anything different than what he's always done. He continues to pray to God, our God, the God of heaven, Jesus. This is who he's praying to. And what happens? He gets thrown into the lion's den. So did the, the law come that, that you're not to pray to any other God? And then Daniel say, well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to start praying to my God now. No, Daniel didn't change what he's doing. He didn't do anything different. He just continued to do what God had always put on his heart. He continued to stand firm with what God had already been doing, with him walking already the way it was. So Daniel didn't advance. He just did what he had always done with God. He continued his relationship, right? So I, I think that's important. Um, we're not really told to advance. I think God does the advancing. We're just to stand the ground that God has put us on. And then when we're standing on his word, on this firm foundation, we'll stand strong. So we're to put on the belt of truth. The things that we say should be truthful. We should be a trustworthy person. And we're to put on the body armor of God's righteousness, of right living. When we're living rightly, when other people accuse us falsely or make accusations against us, we're to let our, our, the body armor of God, our righteous living, our living with God, those right decisions, the things that honor him, that line up with his word, we're to let that speak for ourselves, right? We don't need to defend ourselves. God will defend us as long as we're living righteously, living with God. And for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. So for shoes, we're to put on the peace that comes from the good news. What does that mean? We should be out, going out, not just in our homes, but going out into the world that we live in with the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus loved us so much that he died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. That he rose again three days later and that he is seated at the right hand of God. That Jesus is fully God, fully man. That he loved us so much he was willing to humble himself, become a lowly servant, allow himself to be sacrificed on a cross willingly. He did it willingly for our sins. That's the good news. We're to go out with that and share that with everyone we know. We should be sharing that by the life we live, right? The righteous living that we have, the body armor of God, is another way that we share the good news of Jesus by how we live, how we love others. So we'll continue on here in Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So in addition to, to everything that we just went over, he tells us that we're to hold up the shield of faith. And what is faith? Faith is believing in God. Faith is believing what God tells us. Believing the promises that we read about in his word. And that those fiery arrows from the devil, those fiery arrows from the enemy that want to deceive us and distract us and separate us from God, usually are, are, are lies um, and are not true. And that the, our shield, our faith, our believing in God and who he says we are. You know, oftentimes I, I think this comes in ways of, I could never be forgiven for after all I've done. Well, that's not true. We've been over this many times in God's word. 
There is no sin that is not forgivable. The only sin that's unforgivable is your unbelief in Jesus. That's the only one. Everything else under the sun that you've ever done is forgivable. When you ask Jesus into your life, when you commit your life to him and believe that he is God, he never leaves you or abandons you, and you can be forgiven for every sin you've ever committed, right? But oftentimes the enemy will lie to us and try and deceive us and throw these fiery arrows. Yeah, but not this sin, not that one. You can't be forgiven for that. And it's not true. What are we to do when those fiery arrows come into our thought lives? We're to hold up our shield of faith to stop those fiery arrows. No, that's not true. I have faith. I believe God. And he tells me that I can be forgiven for every single one of my sins. That's how we stop those fiery arrows, with our shield of faith. Does that make sense? That God's given us promises in his words. And when I believe the promises in God's word. When I believe I am who he says I am, that's how I can stop those fiery arrows from the enemy. Put on salvation of your, as your helmet. We've been over this. You cannot lose your salvation. That's why you have the, the helmet of salvation. These fiery arrows, uh, there's no headshots, right? You're, you're protected. So there's no nothing that can penetrate God's helmet of salvation, right? There's no way that the enemy can kill you. Can You can't lose your salvation is another way, um, just another area of scripture that points to that. Why is the helmet salvation? And I think it really speaks to the death blow. There's no death blows. There's no headshots. If you're in the gaming world, as I understand it, that's something that's there. <laughs> in the gaming world. There's headshots, and headshots are usually death blows, right? Is that how it works? Yeah. So, so, but this—that's what the Bible's speaking of here. You have the helmet of salvation. There's nothing that can penetrate God's helmet. There are no death blows. There's no death blows to your salvation. Salvation is eternal. You cannot lose your salvation. You're saying God's helmet is in the world. I'm saying that God knew the gaming world was coming, and that He put this verse in. To speak to us through the gaming world. That's how that's how magnificent and mighty your God is. Nothing is caught him by surprise. But I think that also the gaming world is has also gotten this from many other places. There's a reason that that's the way it is. Because in war times of war, this is a real thing. Yeah. So and the times where this is written with Ephesians, they had their helmets. You think of the Roman soldiers, and you had a helmet on, and that helmet would protect you from a sword or, or something to that effect. It may cause some, some pain to you, but it wouldn't kill you. So, okay, back to the study. So then after all this, we're told to pick up our sword. So this is the only advancement that we have. The only weapon that we have is, is the sword. And God makes it very, very clear. What is the sword? The sword is his word. His word. So the Bible is the sword. So when we're to advance it in any way, it's only through God's word. And it's only through what Jesus has, has done. His sacrifice on the cross. Jesus is also known as the word. We get that in the the very first chapter of the Gospel of John, the Word. And so Jesus is known as the Word. So Jesus is our only advancement. So when we want to go into the world, this spiritual battle, this, the enemy that wants to deceive, manipulate, and, and hold on to the souls that, that they have, 
what are we to do? Our advancement, how do we advance or attack if in any way? It's only through using God's word. Can we explain to people what does God's word say to who they are and, and who God has called them to be and who Jesus is? It's all through his word. That's the advancing we do. And then lastly, we're to pray in the spirit at all times and in every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in our prayers for all believers everywhere. So what's, where is this battle fought? It's fought in prayer, right? We're to, all these spiritual battles go back to prayer. We're told that, that there's certain demons that can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. Um, that when we want to talk about these spiritual battles and everything we go through, every decision we make is a spiritual battle, that it is fought with prayer. That when we are to be in prayer at all times and on every occasion. So, so far we've gone through Matthew and explained this very linear, that we're either walking with God or we're walking away from him, that we're either for God or we're acting as his enemy, right? And can we be acting as his enemy as a believer? Absolutely. We are all a witness, and we can either be a good witness or we can be a bad witness. So, worry is what we're really focusing on today. And God makes it very clear, and we're going to go through what Jesus said about worry. Um, but worry, when you associate worry, and I, and I look up some other words that go with it, these are some other words that come with it. Concern, stress, apprehension, fear, burden, nervousness, fret, agonize, stew, fuss, terror, dread, anxiety, horror, distress, fright, panic, trepidation, nightmare, phobia, tension, trauma. These are all words that are associated with the word worry. Um, and I think the reason that we're told not to worry is that when we begin to worry, we're setting aside the promises that God's made to us, that he is going to lead us and guide us, that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives, that as believers, he's going to work everything for good, that he's um, in control of what happens to believers. For unbelievers, they don't have that promise, but for believers, we have this promise that he's going to work everything for good. Now, that means that if he's got to work it for good, it's not necessarily good at the time, but he is still good. Um, and that's another thing that's come up. There's been a couple of, of pastors that, that we meet with on Fridays, and a couple of them have gone through some very, very, very tough and hard times. Um, just unbelievable things that have happened in their lives. So you think, how could I ever go through that? And they'll tell you that they can only go through it with God with God leading them and that while this thing that's happening in their lives at the time is not good, that he is still good and they can still look to him for his goodness and trust in his promises and that they can find comfort in that. We're told that our God, Jesus, is the God of all comfort. So why are we told not to worry? Because worry can lead to some of these other things. Worry can lead to anxiety. Worry and anxiety can go hand in hand. Worry is kind of like the, the first step and anxiety is, is the next thing that comes. Um, and what does anxiety do? Anxiety causes stress. What does stress do? Stress can cause um, very negative 
effects in our life, both physically and mentally. And so can anxiety. Anxiety can cause a lot of mental effects in our lives. Um, and then from anxiety, the next step is, seems to go into depression. Or sometimes from worry, we can get ourselves into this depression, this deep-seated, um, dark place of really isolation. And that was, if we had met last week, that was what we were going to talk about. But it seems like God has a plan, a purpose. That, that it was, we needed to talk about worry first. And then after Christmas, I think we're going to talk through depression. And we're going to look through. God doesn't, God's word doesn't skirt around any of these issues. God hits them head on. Um, the God that we serve is a very upfront, honest um, truthful God and he doesn't doesn't powder coat anything doesn't sugarcoat anything he, he hits everything head on and there are areas of depression in the Bible where we see very godly men and women who go through deep dark depressions and, and we're going to talk through why that happens and, and all of that after the um, after Christmas but it starts with worry so that's where we're at so worry um, we're told not to worry and, and it's a very practical thing that we're told not to do because when we worry it can lead to many other things and when we worry we're putting our trust in ourselves and not in God remember a few weeks ago we went over the story of Samuel and how God had set up um, judges to rule over the nation of Israel and these judges were to rule um, and to help solve disputes between different people or people groups but they were to go to their king, and their king was God. God was going to be their king, their ruler. Um, and that these judges would submit themselves to God, and that they would be um, a, a vessel to go, be the go-between between the people and their disputes and God. And they would help them solve their disputes by going directly to God. But God would rule and reign over them. That was his plan. And... And the people didn't want that. No, no, no. We want our own king. And God explained to them all the reasons why you don't want your own king. What this bad thing will do. And worry is the same way. We're told not to worry because as believers, God has, has our lives where he wants them. That God is going to work even the bad things in our lives for good. And that he's got it handled. He has it under control for believers. So we're told that. But when we worry, what happens? We're taking it and saying, no, God, I don't believe you. I believe that this is a problem and I need to solve it. And we begin to let that spiral out of control. And worry is a sin. And, and what oftentimes what happens with sin is sin is a downward spiraling of more and more sin. So when we're told not to worry, it's for our own good. And it's really, it's a faith issue. Do I believe that God is going to see me through this, or do I believe that I need to somehow try and take control of the situation? And that control is an illusion. Really, we have no control over anything other than our own decisions, right? I can't control what other people say or what they do. Um, I can't control different things that happen in this world. But what I can control is what I choose to believe in, what I allow my, my thought life to consume me with, and what actions I choose to carry out. Do I choose to carry out a life pursuing God or do I choose to carry out a life focused on me? So there's a couple of verses we'll get into and then we're going to go and see what does Jesus say about worry. 
The first verses we're going to look at is Psalms 94, verse 17 through 19. Um, they'll be up on the screen here. So Psalm 94, starting here in verse 17. And the, unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I am slipping, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. So when doubts filled my mind, right? So what the psalmist is saying here is that, that God, you helped me, you rescued me, um, that I was slipping away from you, that I was in a situation that seemed hopeless, but your unfailing love, God, supported me. And then with doubt, even after you supported me, after you, let, you led me, the doubts crept back into my mind, doubts of who you are, doubts of what you've done, but you comfort your comfort gave me a renewed hope that I turn back to you, God, right? So we have this, these moments where God leads us and then we go through these periods of doubt and worry and fear that maybe we're in the wrong path or we've made the wrong decisions or we've screwed up um, and that can lead us away from God or we can choose to trust, continue to trust in him. No, God, I believe I am who you say I am, right? I believe the decisions that I've made that you led me to these and, and, and I don't understand the situation I'm in right now or how this is going to work out, but I'm going to trust that you have it under control, that you will lead and guide me through this. And that it's normal for doubts to, to creep into our lives, but when we pursue those doubts, when we um, allow them to consume our thought lives and, and be, turn into worry and then turn into anxiety, that we're really damaging ourselves both spiritually and physically, and then it's not good. It leads us away from God. The other place we're going to look at is in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. And really 25 is the one that talks about worry, but I like to put things in context, and going through Proverbs is always good. So starting here in, in verse 24, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. So the important verse here is, is the worry. Worry weighs a person down. And an encouraging word cheers a person up. So what can we do as, as believers um, when we have fellowship, when we have spend time with other believers, we should be encouraging them. We should um, say encouraging words to them to, to cheer them up, to, to help them move away from their worry. I don't think there's anyone in this world that doesn't struggle with worry, right? Worry about what my friends might think or worry about a different situation um, in our, our work lives or in our school lives. And oftentimes these worries are things that never Come to pass. We worry about things that never actually happen, right? But they consume our lives and they consume our thoughts and they, um, they bring us down, um, down to a lower place. They also can, can make us fearful or now we're not going to step out and do the things that God's called us to do 
to be that light and that witness in these different situations because we're worried what other people are going to think or what other people are going to say or what other people are going to react to. And really all those worries never come to pass. So when we choose to worry, it usually leads us deeper into more sin. Worrying is a sin and it leads us into a deeper spiraling of more and more sin, of anxiety, of isolation, right? We're told not to isolate. We're told not to forsake the fellowship of the brothers. We're to get together with other believers regularly. And why? Right here. To be encouraging to them. To cheer them up. It's not our job to make people happy, but it is our job to say something encouraging to other believers. To encourage them in good works is what the Bible tells us we're to do, right? And that worry and anxiety can often lead to isolation. And that's the opposite of what God wants for us. That's not what God has for us. So... We will continue on and we're going to spend some time here in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to see what did Jesus himself say about worry. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. So Matthew chapter 6, starting here in verse 25. These are Jesus' words. This is Jesus speaking. So if you want to know what does God's opinion or what does God's character say about worry or about this topic? Well, this is God himself speaking directly to us. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. The answer to that is no. It's a rhetorical question. So right here in verse 25, God commands you not to worry. I tell you not to worry. Right? This is Jesus himself, the God of the universe, the God that created everything, the God that holds everything together, the God that sacrificed himself for our sins so that we could be made right with him. That same God is telling us specifically, I tell you not to worry. So is there any question about whether worry is a sin? No. The things that God tells us to do when we walk with him, we're living with him. But the minute we choose not to, that becomes sin in our life and we're walking away from him. This is very linear. So God makes it very clear, do not worry. So if we choose to worry and choose to dwell in that, we are living in sin. And that sin spirals into more and more sin. What's the saying about sin? I think we've gone over this a couple of times. Sin keeps you longer than you want to stay. It costs you more than you're willing to pay. Right? So sin... Um, and sin grows in your life. Sin doesn't just keep you where you're at. You're, there's this idea that I'm a good person. I'm in this neutral ground. You know, I only have a little bit of sin in my life. No, you have to think of it very linear. We're walking one way or the other. We're always in motion. We're walking with God or we're walking away from him. There's no this middle ground where I'm kind of neutral. No, no, no. That sin, that little bit of sin in our life, that one step away from God... There's only one other option after that, 
it's either another step away from God or a step back to God, right? There's, we're always in motion. So if you think of it, that it's very linear, it's black and white, we're walking with him or away from him, but we are always walking. We're always moving, and we're either moving towards more sin or we're moving closer to God. Those are the only two options, but we are always moving. And the rate of which we're moving can vary, yes. Can we be taking small steps of sin away from God little by little? Yes. But it's a very dangerous thing. I think the best way to think of it is I'm walking on ice. And I think everyone here has probably slipped on ice at some point in their life, right? I'm walking on ice, and I, I know I'm on ice, so I'm kind of walking carefully. But all of a sudden, something happens, and the next thing I know, instantly, I'm on my back and I'm staring at the sky. You've all been there right? Everyone's been on ice and you kind of know that it's dangerous, but you think, ah, oh, I'll test it out a little bit. I'm okay. I've lived in Colorado all my life. I've walked on snow and ice. I know what I'm doing. And the next thing you know, you're on the ground, just like that instantly. And that's the danger with sin. Sin's the same way. Oh, I'm taking these little steps. Yes, I know this isn't good in my life, but God will forgive me. Be careful because before you know it, there could be a big fall, right? And it happens very suddenly. So it's not something we want to play with or mess with. But God commands us not to sin. And it cannot add a single moment to our life. It has no value by worry. So we'll continue on here in verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the field, how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So what happens, what is, what is Jesus making very apparent to us? That we have an option. It's black or white. We can choose to have faith or we can choose to not have faith and worry, right? That there's no neutral ground. It's one or the other. So when I choose to worry, I'm demonstrating what little faith I have in God. I'm demonstrating what little trust I have in God, and what little belief I have in God, because I'm believing this worry, this misguided misconception over God's firm foundation of his word. Does that make sense? So I'm very black and white. So if if I'm not explaining it, well, you're going to have to throw something at me. No? Okay. <laughs> oh, after when it's question and answer time? All right. That sounds good. <laughs> okay. So we're not to worry about our clothing or what we're going to have to eat. Why? Because God's going to provide for us. God's going to take care of us. Can you think of a moment in your life that God didn't provide for you? I think of this when we go to feed the homeless. And how oftentimes I hear, I was just praying and talking to God, and here you showed up. I, I was in need of this food, or I was in need of this water, or I was in need oftentimes of the, the paper that's inside, the, the little short word of encouragement. There's a lady that writes every week, writes a word of encouragement, and it's probably about a paragraph long, and how oftentimes people, that speaks directly to people. Remember the guy that came and chased us down? And wanted to know if we had wrote that. Were you with us or were you in the truck? It might have been me and it might have been me and Kennedy. He comes out, we stop at his camper and give it to him, and he comes out, chases us down and wanna know, did you write this? I said, No, no, I didn't write this. 
said, well, this is exactly what I'm going through. So God knew that. And God asked this woman to write it down for you. So, so God provides for us. God takes care of us even uh, when we don't have. And we live in this land of abundance where we have so much. And we get, um, I think sometimes get caught up with, oh God, I, I don't have as much as this other person. Well, just look back at what Jesus is saying. That food, clothing, he's going to provide for you. Does he provide lavishly for you or as lavish as this person or that person? We're not to judge. We're not to compare ourselves. We're not to covet what somebody else has or to be content with what we have. And God has blessed us with more than we definitely need. If you live in this country, no matter who you are, God has blessed you with more than you need. That's just how it is. So, but can you be content in that? Can you be content with whatever it is you have? And maybe not be as much as some or maybe more than others, but are you content? Paul made it very clear that he was content in whatever situation, whether he had plenty or whether he had little. He was content because his contentment and his happiness could be only found in Jesus Christ. And that's the same for us. Our contentment, our happiness can only be found in Jesus Christ. When we want to pursue a relationship with him and a life living after him, that is where we find contentment. That's the only thing that matters. All this on earth, anything we're talking about, any clothing, like he says, is, is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. It's all temporary. Everything on this earth is temporary. Our contentment should be in our eternal salvation with our Savior and Lord Jesus. Spending eternity in paradise with him, that's where our contentment should come from. That's where our focus should be. So we'll continue on here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So don't worry about these things. Again, we're told not to worry. This is the God of the universe commanding us, do not worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Right here. This is your promise. When you get to, to worrying about your life and what's going on and the things right here, God has promised to you. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Make God number one in your life. The most important thing that you will live a life righteous and right standing with him. A life pursuing him. A life walking with him. Not stepping away from him. Walking with him. When you pursue that life with him, he will give you everything you need. Everything. So, that is our promise. Our promise from God is that he will give us everything we need. And we'll finish it up with what Jesus is saying here in verse 34. So, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Right? So don't worry about tomorrow. You can't control tomorrow. You can't control even today. You have enough worries today. Why are you worried about what may or may not happen tomorrow? And oftentimes the things we worry about don't ever happen at all. But we consume our thought lives with it. And what happens when we consume our thought lives with it? Well, some people think I can multitask. No, you cannot. You have a brain and it's going to consume with worry, doubts, and fears. And when you consume your mind with worry, doubts, and fears, you don't have room for God right? You've replaced God with this worry. So why does God tell us not to worry? Because it takes us away from him. And it also causes physical ailments to us, right? Anxiety, stress, 
terrible things that can have terrible effects on our lives. So God tells us not to worry because it takes our focus away from him. It separates us from him and has negative effects on our life. It's not good for us. But so often we do it. So often we worry about all kinds of things. I often have worries and doubts and fears all throughout my life, especially in this last year where I've, God has clearly led me in one path or another to take this step or that step. And then I no more than take the step. I no more than get a day or two into it. And I start worrying, well, what about this? What about how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to do this? What about this? And I often find myself in worry. And what does that worry do? That worry separates me from God. And what do I need to do with that worry? I confess it. God, please forgive me for my fears and my doubts and my unbelief. Help me to believe in you more and more each day. God, please forgive me for my sins that separate me from you. Draw me closer to you. Forgive me for that and help me to focus on your kingdom, right? Above all else. Focus on the things that you, you do and that all the worries of, of how, how am I going to provide or, or what will we eat, you know, will we have clothing to wear, all of that, all those thoughts, I don't want those to consume me. I want to be focused on you and I'm not going to think about tomorrow or how we're going to make the, the house payment or whatever it is because I know that you are going to lead and guide us and that if I hold on to anything, if I hold on to the things of this world, if they become more important than God, then I've replaced God with this material things of this world. If he wants to take away our house, our cars, or whatever it is, he's more than welcome to. Because those things are not more important than he is. And those things won't last. Especially cars. Even self-driving trucks. <laughs> especially cars. Cars don't last. You buy them and they wear out right away. And they cost a lot of money. I feel like that would be an emotional time for you. <laughs> well, you bring up a very good point. And I thought about this because that also brought worry into my life. But I also... I love to have God lead and guide. And I love to be patient. And if, if I have to be pressured into a quick decision, then oftentimes I, I find it not being from God. But if I can be patient, then I can let him lead and guide. And so the truck, the truck broke down. I don't know. No, I, but the old truck, the old truck broke down. That was back in like September, wasn't it? And so we've been kind of thinking about fixing it, or, or at least I have been thinking about fixing it or replacing it or doing something and, and looked at trucks online for a long time, months but it was patient. The well, but I was patient about it, and um, and then God just leads, and and the way He led was a couple of weeks ago. Oftentimes, I listen to to other Bible studies as I'm driving, and it's in between phone calls or in between picking up kids or whatever, and so I don't get to hear oftentimes the whole study. But the study that I was listening to was a another pastor here here in Denver, and he's. The section that I got to hear is he's telling this story about these men that go fishing. Two men go fishing, and this one guy is, is he'd catch something and he'd pull out his measuring stick, and, and if it was bigger than the measuring stick, he'd throw it back in. And he did this all throughout the day. And his buddy finally asked me, like, "What is wrong? Why are you throwing away all these bigger fish?" And he goes, "Well, I only have an eight-inch frying pan, so I don't want I don't want the fish too big. It won't fit in my frying pan." And the what the pastor was was talking about was sometimes God wants to bless us and we want to throw it back. You want to give it back and say, no, God, I can't do that. I, that's not for me. But 
really what the guy should have done is go get a bigger frying pan, right? So I hear that and, and then things fall in line with this truck and it all opens up and it was, well, we find it and oh, but Shannon wasn't able to go until a couple of days later. So, well, if it's still there, then it, we'll know it's meant to be. And then we get there and we test drive it and look through the glove box, we find a Bible inside. And inside that Bible um, is, a, is a bookmark. And the bookmark is, is from the dealership. And the dealership says on the bookmark that we prayed over this vehicle, we prayed over the driver and every passenger that ever rides in it, that they'll be blessed, that God will protect them. Um, and then on the back of the bookmark, they have a scripture, and then they have a, a prayer hotline. That if you ever need prayer, you call the dealership, and they will pray with you at any point. They have people always willing and ready to pray for you. And so if I ever needed God to reaffirm or, or confirm this, you know, in many ways in my life, you know, that, that this was from him. Okay. But now I have a car payment in and I haven't had a car payment in a while. And I kind of like that. And now my insurance is going to go up and, Oh God, I, I'm not sure I can really afford all this. Well, now this worry has consumed my life. And, and here where God has led, he's clearly led and guided me to this decision. Um, and really where it started was when we looked at David's life, when we talked about that a couple of weeks ago and read through, you know, I've read through that area of scripture many times, but God explains to David, David, if you would ask me for this, I would have given it to you. I would have given you anything you asked for, but you didn't ask. You coveted something that somebody else had. So that was where it started. But God had led through, but it wasn't but a couple of days later and doubts and fears creep in that, oh, you've made a bad mistake, right? You've screwed this up. You're not going to be able to afford this. You're going to end up being homeless. You're, you really messed this one up, Matt. And if I have, guess what? If I have made a mistake in my life, if I have done something that I thought God was leading me to, but really wasn't, somehow I screwed this up, I got this, my signs wrong, or whatever it is, the God I serve is bigger than all of that. So why should I worry about it? He's in control. And if he wants to take it all away, am I willing to let him take it all away? Like the story of Job, Job, he took it. God allowed it all to be taken away from him. Am I, am I willing for that to happen in my life? Not just with my my cars or my home but with my children am i willing to let that happen or do i hold on to any of these one things more highly than god and if i do then i'm living in sin i've allowed worry and um and pride and, and many other things to creep in and replace god's in my god and who he is in my thought life and in my life right and that's really what worry does. Worry separates us from God. It allows other things to consume us. And the enemy oftentimes wants to come against us. God will do something. God will lead us in a way. God will, will lead you away from the career that you've been in for a long time to, to step out in, in areas of faith. And, and many times doubts and fears creep in. And I've gotten better and better about it, especially this year, with they creep in and they may stay there for a little while, a day or two, longer than they should. But I'm quicker and quicker to ask God to forgive me for those sins, forgive me for those doubts and fears, and to put my trust back in him. That you have a plan and a purpose, and I'm going to follow and walk with you, no matter what it is. Even when things don't seem the way um, they should to me, or, or this doesn't seem to be going all that well, or whatever it is, that he has a plan and a purpose, right? So that is what, what we're to do. Why we should let why we should not let doubt and worry fear our life, not replace God with it. So we'll end here in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. We'll go through a few verses here. 
the Bible in many areas talks about worry. Um, and if this is something you struggle with, which if you're sitting in this room or you're listening and you have a heartbeat, you struggle with this. I don't know anyone that doesn't struggle with worry. And there's many areas of scripture that specifically talk about worry. Just Google Bible and worry and see what comes up. And there's, there's many places in the Bible that God talks about worry. But he makes it very clear it's a sin. It separates us from him. Because really what it does is it replaces, that worry replaces God in our lives. God in our hearts. That We focus on that more than we focus on God. So, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So this is an important one. We're going to read this one more time. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. So where do we start? We start with being full of joy in the Lord. That he is our everything. That he um, has our lives in his hand. When we choose to believe in his son, when we ask his son, Jesus, into our lives, that we are his. He'll never let us go. He never leaves us, never abandons us. That we are in his hands. So always have joy in that, joy in the Lord. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Be that light and witness, right? You're considerate in all you do. Because remember, the Lord is coming soon. Jesus is coming back again soon. And that's all that matters. Because when Jesus comes back again soon for his believers, all these things of this, this world, this earth, they all go away. That, that God's going to replace this earth with a new earth. So even the whatever this earth is goes away. So don't hold on to anything, he's saying. Focus on the Lord. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So don't worry, but instead fill your mind with prayer, with conversation with God. Because when I'm worrying, I'm not praying and focused on God. Now, can I take my worries to God? Absolutely can give him all your worries and your concerns. God, I'm going to give this to you. I know that you will handle this. I don't know how, why, when, any of those details. And I don't need to. I just need to know that you are God and that you have this handled in my life. Because I believe you. I trust in you. And tell God what you need. And then don't forget. Thank him for what you have. And once we've done this, then... Here in verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So we're told that when we do this, when we we don't worry, but we replace that worry with prayer, that we focus on God and his eternal, not this world, not the things of this world, but his eternal kingdom to come, that we get to spend paradise with him, that when we do that, we will experience God's peace 
And we've been over this. God's peace is different from the peace of the world. God's peace is a peace to go through the conflict, to go through the, the troubles with a sense of peace, not an absence of conflict like the world says peace is. Oh, we want world peace. Well, that will never happen. You're after a goal that's unachievable. Not that we shouldn't have peace with others. We shouldn't. God tells us that we should pursue that, but you'll never live in a world. This utopia will never exist here on this earth where there is no war. There will always be war and conflict, but God will allow us to go through it with his peace, right? Which will guard our hearts and minds because we're living in Christ. We're walking with him each and every day. And we're to put our, focus our thoughts on what is just and pure and right, right? So when we focus our thoughts on God, we don't have time for the worry. But when we focus our thoughts on the worry, we don't have time for God. And they don't go hand in hand. There's no neutral ground. It's black and white. We're walking with God away from worry, or we're walking away from God in worry. And that's where we end today. Do you have any questions? None? What was, you said sin keeps you longer than you want to stay. And what was that, Crystal? Uh, so sin keeps you longer than you want to stay, costs you more than you're willing to pay. Um, and there's one other thing that goes with that. Costs you more than you're willing to pay? Yeah, sin keeps you longer than you want to stay, costs you more than you're willing to pay. There's something, there's another line that goes with that. Longer than you. And then I worry is time wasted on something that may never happen. Absolutely. So many times I worry about something and it never, ever happens. And I spent all that time worrying about something that never even took place, was never even going to take place. But I allowed my thoughts to be consumed with that. Well, in in the past, in the studies I've done, one of my things in my notes is worry will, it reduces your ability to trust in God. Yep. So remembering that. Which we all worry. It's just super natural for us to do, but um, that's what I find kind of ironic that it just takes all my ability to trust what God has in store, all of it, because I think I can handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now we've replaced God and His leading and guiding with our own self. God, you got this wrong. I'm going to fix this, and oftentimes, well, never do we ever fix it. We usually make it worse. And if we'd allow him, because he works in ways that we could never comprehend or understand. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And he has it all handled. And, and even though this situation, oh, it, this could never work for good. Somehow he works it for good and, and for his glory. And that if we would have just trusted in him and walked through it, we could have been that light and witness to him, to these people, to whatever it was. If we would just trust in him and not worry. You can't have both. They don't mix together. It's like oil and water. Oh, it is. And like I said, anyone that's alive here on this earth struggles with this concept. And that's why I think the Bible talks about it so often in so many different places. Not to worry. And not just leave you at that. Oh, don't worry. Well, don't worry, but replace it with this. Replace it with your focus on God and eternity. Because usually worries are what's right in front of us, right? We're not, I'm not worried Oh, what am I going to do in heaven all this time? You know, I don't, my thoughts usually don't go to that. You know, my thoughts are more right here and right now. 
and now I've well, consumed myself with worry. Matthew six thirty four. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow brings its own worries. And then you look at what it it's one day at a time um, keeps us from be, being consumed by all the worry. And it's so, just like we can't control we can't. what's going to happen today, let alone yeah. tomorrow. Absolutely. Or one hour yeah. from now. But that's why. So when and when Leanne, we were I was talking about just. Let it go, whatever. Mm-hmm. Any, because it is, it it will it will screw up your health. I think it's just just so you, it's it's a health thing. It is. Oh, absolutely. It's just like we were talking about stress, and it's just the way that you know I deal with the situation is like I'm here to do a job. I love my mom. I don't need to engage. I just need to take care of you the best way I can and move on. Mm-hmm. And we can't let it consume us, our lives, our time. And God knows what's going on. He's got the plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. We can't control. Control is such a, a bad thing. And so this leads us into, uh, for Christmas Eve, the Christmas story. Worry about what other people do or say about us or whatever that is, and we're not to worry about that either. And, I, well, like, I just think it's amazing how it all works out. So we'll go from this study into the Christmas story, which the Christmas story will touch on the, the don't worry. You know, you look at Mary and Joseph, and they're, they're outside. They're they're not married. They're pregnant, they're and but they're the but they're situation. oh yeah, but they're completely walking with God through it all, doing exactly what He's called them to do. But how many thoughts and and things are other people saying about them that are untrue and unfounded? And you can't control. You can't control what everybody else says. So why worry about it? Know that God's. You're doing what God's asked you to do, and that's all that matters. And whatever anybody else is going to say, you have to let that go. So that's our study next weekend. And then I think the one after that is where we're headed towards depression, because worrying does lead us into depression, and we get to see that throughout many. And there's many types of depression, and we see that all throughout the Bible. God explains it very well to us if we want to to look into it. And that, and how do you get past? It? How do you get through that? But it all starts with this. It starts with worry. This is the first step, and it can lead to more and more sin. And before you know it, you can be down that slippery path, and be falling and sliding, and not even know what happened. So. Kylie, do you have any questions? Yeah. You understood everything worry very less. well. Worry less. I understood everything else that you said. Do we need to maybe cut back on the phone time? Does the phone cause worry? Social media no. cause worry? No. Anxiety. No, it doesn't cause worry and anxiety about what other people may be saying about you or no. any of that? No. How many likes did I get on this or that or the other? No. There's no worrying about that? No. There's no uh, depression that goes in with that? Oh, I only got three likes. Nobody likes I me. Yeah. No. Okay, I just just want to make sure we're, you're understanding. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you understand that we're either pursuing God, we're walking with Him, or we're worrying and walking away from Him. Yep. The two don't go together. Yep. Okay. And you understand that I love you. Mm, that's debatable. Oh, Kylie. All right. Well, let's pray. Unless there's more questions. Nope. Okay. Let's just pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. 
I thank you for this time to come together to focus on you, for you to just explain to us more of who you are, that you are a very loving God, that when you ask us to do something or not to do something, it's because you love us, because that's what's best for us, both physically, spiritually speaking, that when we walk with you, that's the best life that we can live, that you have our best interests, no matter what it is, even when we don't perceive it to be good, you're working it for good. You're working it for your glory. You're working it um, for good outcome somehow, some way. Give us faith and the strength to trust in you, to walk with you each and every day. Convict us heavily when we do fall into this worry, when we do let it consume us. Convict us heavily and quickly um, and help us to repent and ask for your forgiveness and be restored with you immediately. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for your sacrifice on the cross, Jesus. I'm thankful for all that you do. Lord, I ask you would watch over my mom, that you would bring healing to her, and you would guide the doctors through this treatment plan for her hip and her joints and her all of that area, that you would just um, bring healing in the, the way that you see fit, in the way that only you can, and that you would receive all the glory from that. I ask that you would um, just continue to watch over those who are affected by these tragedies that happen in our communities, that... Um, you would use that as an opportunity for your good and your glory, that we would be a light and a witness to you. We wouldn't be angry or, um, or upset or um, mean about it, that we would walk with you through these times, even when we don't understand them. Lord, I ask you to watch over Scott and Pam, that you bring comfort and healing to them, that you would guide the doctors in their treatment plans, I ask you to watch over the coffee family, that you would give them patience and peace and wisdom and forgiveness. I ask that you would watch over Kathy, you would give um, the doctors wisdom in treating her. You would watch over Susan, you would give the doctors wisdom in treating her. You would bring healing to Matt's knees, that um, you would bring healing to Joey's knee, that you would bring healing to Christina's heart, you would guide the doctors in their treatment plan, that you would bring healing to Bonnie, you would give the doctors wisdom and guide them in, in their treatment plan for her. You'd watch over everyone going through the EMDR um, counseling, that you would guide them, that you would strengthen them, encourage them to continue on, and that you would bring healing to them in a way that only you can. That you would um, just open up opportunities for us to have friendship and fellowship and encourage each other, encourage other believers in love and good deeds like your word tells us. I ask you would strengthen Ming, guide him, that you would watch over him and his surgery this week, that you would um, protect him, that you would give us the right words to speak, watch over the sheriff's department, the police department, and all that they see and go through, protect them, both physically, but protect them spiritually, protect their families. I ask you would continue to lead us and guide us into a, a church that we can come alongside um, and support yeah, somewhere, wherever that is, however it works out. Your will be done, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray all these things.